Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. Will you stand with me as we read the Word of God together uh, this morning? I'm starting a or a continuing series we started last week called uh, On Ramps and Off Ramps of Your Destiny. Last week, we, we looked at uh, the off ramps. We talked about people to avoid, people to give a wide berth uh, if you want to stay on track with uh, your purpose and your destiny. We talked about Moses, and he sent 12 spies into the promised land. And the negative response of 10 men robbed a whole generation of embracing God's promise for them. This week, I I want to look at some on-ramps, things that you and I can do, some of the things that we need to identify and that we need to do in our life if we're going to walk out our God-given destiny. Let's read. I want to read to you out of Joshua chapter 1, verse 2 to 9. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Everyone say, given to you. I have given to you, just as I promised Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all over the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Somebody needs to hear that today. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, everyone say for then, you will make your way prosperous. Everyone say prosperous. And then... You will have good success. God promises you prosperity and success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yeah, I think that's worth that promise is worth giving the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to get into our life and penetrate and bring supernatural change from the inside out. We've been conformed to an image. Transform us into the image that you've created us to be. 
We declare, God, there are two great days in our life. The day that we're born and the day that we discover why. Thank you for giving us a why. Thank you for giving us a purpose. We want to live on purpose. We want to live out our destiny. And so visit us here, Holy Spirit. Breathe on me, Lord God, in this service, that it wouldn't be just another message this morning. But Lord God, there'd be something powerful and tangible that would happen in this meeting and breathe on the men and women here that took time out to be in your house or to, to log online. Be with us, we pray. Let this work, word work to change us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Why don't you high five the person beside you and tell them how lucky they are to be sitting beside you in church. I was doing a missions trip into Eastern Europe some years ago. We're going back there next year, going to go into Bulgaria and do some leadership training. But some years ago, we were in and out of Eastern Europe, in Serbia and Poland and different places like that. And, and uh, I, we were in Poland, we we're flying back to New Zealand, and there was a delay on our flight. And so we were stuck in the airport for many hours. And my my computer was running out of power and so I needed to get a power adapter to go from European power to, sorry, US power to European power. The problem was I'm in a Polish uh, airport and the, the people there, they only speak Polish, they don't speak English, I don't speak any Polish, so this is going to be hard, but, but I knew, like most English-speaking people, that it's just obvious if you're trying to communicate English to someone who doesn't speak English the best way to do it is you just speak it slowly and loudly with accentuation and obviously they're going to get the translation. And that's what I did. I walked up to the counter and I said to this uh, uh, lady, um, I would like to buy a power adapter from US Power to European power for my computer power for the adapter. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm a genius. And she came back with the item and I purchased a souvenir dishcloth. <laughs> communication 101, basic skills of communication is you've got to learn to speak the same language of, of somebody else. Today, when I get to my points, you're going to notice that I have pretty brilliantly uh, started every point with the letter R. And, and so it was, it's a preaching technique. And that makes sense in English. But Pastor Waldy and Napo are preaching pretty much the same message today and using my notes and the letter R and its awesomeness just does not cross over into those services. There's just something about translation of, of, of language. Unity was destroyed in the building of the Tower of Babel when the languages were confused. So while they are all speaking the same language, God said nothing that they proposed to do will be withheld from them. They were in unity, and the unity was created by language. Language creates alignment. If we can all speak the same way, say the same thing, there's going to be alignment that, that, that comes. And that's true. If you want to walk in the will of God, you have to learn to hear 
and understand the language of God. How does God speak? How does God communicate? God communicates in a variety of ways, but a part of the language of God is desire. Part of the language of God is vision. Part of the language of God is dreams. Another way God will communicate is through prophecy. The language of God is uh, contained in his word, the Logos, the Bible that you you read. In that word, there are over 30,000 promises, over 8,000 promises that you can apply to yourself without any specific revelation. But there are times where you're reading the Logos that it comes alive and creates a rhema word inside of us. Have you ever done that? You're like, you've read the, 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 that passage of scripture multiple times and then you just read it another time and all of a sudden it just comes to life. It smacks you in the face. That the Bible reads you more than you read it. And so the language of God is manifest in future tense. God is a God of the future. Desire, vision, dreams, prophecy is all about the future. Numbers 13 verse 1 and 2 says, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. I am giving. Future tense. God speaks to Moses and said, The land that I am giving you. The future of Israel is loaded in this text and and it's loaded in the promise of this sentence that God is communicating to his people. There's future in that. The context and the promise is in the I am giving. It's not an I have given. Now, technically, God has already given them that in his heart. But as far as it applies to them, it's an I am giving moment. Now, the challenge does uh, not lay in the promise that God gives. The, the challenge lays always in our response to the promise. So the challenge that we have is not that God is giving. The, the promise is in our taking. It's like salvation. If you're here today or you're watching online and you've never given your life to Christ, uh, you've never prayed, asked Jesus into your world, become a Christian, being born again. If that's never been your experience, that is available to you. The gift of salvation is available to you. You're going to get an opportunity to pray that prayer later uh, today. But whether you receive salvation or not is up to you. The gift of salvation is already there. Jesus has already gone to the cross. He's already risen from the dead. He's already ascended into heaven. The promise of salvation is available to everybody on the planet. But whether we take it or not is up to us. You've got to receive the gift. God's promises are yes. God's promises are amen. And I know about you, but I want the promises of God to be like that. I want the, anybody else in the house like that? I, I want the promises of God to be yes and amen. But equally true, our response to his promise should be yes and amen. That, 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 even in the light of some of the challenges that may manifest on the journey to embrace his promises. So God gives us promises 
but there may be challenges in taking the promises on, but the promises are still valid. So Moses' generation allowed the negativity of 10 men to rob them of their destiny, to rob them from walking into their God-given promise and God-given purpose. The negativity of 10 men robbed them from their destiny. A whole generation of God's people lived on the outskirts of their promise. And here's the crazy thing. They were close enough to taking it where they could actually send 12 spies in to check it out. That's how close they were to their promise. It wasn't like they were years and years away. They were able to equip 12 men, go in and have a look at the land, come back and respond, and they went in and they came back. That's how close they were to their promise. They were close enough physically to check it out, but they were so far away mentally that they could not make the journey. They were close enough enough to just move forward and they would enter into it, but they refused to go forward because they knew what the challenge meant and they refused to take the challenge. My grandson, Marcus, is three years old and he is awesome. And I, I get to take him every now and then and check him in uh, to daycare here at, at Word of Life. And if you don't have kids enrolled there, they should get enrolled. But I, I get to take him to daycare in the morning and not every morning, but we have, we have a routine. It's a routine. So we pull up in the parking lot out here by door 13 and we get out, he gets his stuff and we race. He's very competitive. I don't know where he got that from. And we race. We race all the way from the car to this door out here. We just, boom, we just race and it's going. His little legs are going, fire leaping off his legs and, and, and he, he beats me all the time. He's just that fast at three. And so we get in there and then we're, gonna, then we're gonna race across the lobby. So now we're in the church lobby and we're gonna race from the lobby to the door of the chapel. And so we race across the lobby. So we race in, we get in the door, get ourselves set and then we race again across the lobby. And then we get to the door of the chapel. Now, the teachers have trained them for whatever reason, either respecting the chapel or the fact that there's uh, officers in there to be quiet. And so he'll look at me and he'll be like, and so I do this thing. So then we race quietly across the chapel. Now, if there are, if there are dividers in there, he goes one side, I go the other. It's just what we do. And we we race very quietly. You can hardly hear nothing. You can hear nothing. God's in heaven with the angels. Are they even moving? There's no sound, no sound. And we get to the, then we go out to the door to the children's wing, to the children's wing, to the mountain for no reason. And that has got tiles all over. It's got white tiles and it's got colored tiles. Well, obviously, we all know what that means, hot lava. So now we're in the hall of hot lava, which I don't understand when you're designing a children's facility, why you'd put lava in there that could burn children to pieces, but it's there anyway. And so we've got to go down the thing, dodging the hot lava, and then to go to the hallway to get to his classroom, they put lava all the way down the middle, all the way, and just two little non-lava bits on the side. He can cruise down there because he's three. I've, I've got to go down. I've, I'm going down the side like, like I'm, so I don't burn up with hot lava. And then we go down. So this is, we get out of the car. We run like lightning, hit the door. I'm, I'm, I'm recovering. And, and then we go into the lobby, race through the lobby. Hope we don't knock anybody over. Hit the, open the chapel door. 
into the hallway, down the side. Down, and then we come down. So this boom, 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 boom. We get, we get to the door of daycare and he realized what's about to happen is granddad is going to say goodbye and both arms hit the door and he's like, no, no. He's raced all the way to get in. And then when it goes to going in, he doesn't want to go in. God got Israel out of Egypt right to the border of the promised land. And they got there and they looked at the challenges and they went, no! They went through the wilderness. They maybe dodged some hot lava. I don't know on the way. But they said, no, so many people do that. They get to the point of their destiny and difficulties come and they say, no. First Corinthians chapter 16, 9 says, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. So Paul says there's a wide door open. Revelation tells us that God will open a door that no man can shut. So God opens a door. No man can shut the door. But the fear of adversary stops people from walking through it. I am giving. That's what God says to Moses' generation. But Moses' generation never walked through that open door because of fear. The intimidation of the adversaries, the enemy that was in there, robbed them from taking what God had ordained for them to have. Open door, many adversaries looked at the open door and said, no, we don't want to go in there. The Bible says that God opens a door, no man can shut. So the fact that they didn't go in, didn't close the door. The door stayed open, stayed wide open. Because there's a prophetic nature in the conversation of God. When God speaks, he speaks with a prophetic edge. He's speaking into the future. That's how God rolls. So how does that work? Well, God lives outside of time. God created day and night for us. Time's a measuring device for us. I love time because you can close the door on one year if it was horrible, open the door to a brand new new year. If yesterday was terrible, wake up today. The mercies of God are new every morning. God created the days for us. This is the day that the Lord has made for us. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's a God's gift to us. But God speaks out of time. He, He speaks in eternity. And we're living in time. So God says, I want to, I'm, I'm giving you this land. He speaks it out of eternity, but they live without ever taking it in their chronos moment, but that word stays alive. And so when Moses and his generation went back to be with the, the Lord, the, the word stayed alive in eternity. And so he came to the next generation and says, the land I'm giving it to you. I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And what I promised to Moses, he didn't take something to give it to you. Why? Because the word of God is still alive. Some of you are sitting on prophecies that haven't manifested yet. Don't let go. Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight through the prophecies made concerning you. Sometimes you just got to stir the prophetic word back up in you again. Why? Because if God said it, it's going to happen. 
If God spoke it, it's going to happen. There, there's, a, there's a prophetic nature. There's a, 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 a timeless nature on God's word. And so what's not achieved in one uh, season or generation, if it's not achieved, can stay alive and be achieved in the next generation. I was doing some studies on Elijah some years back and when Elijah was on Horeb and he'd gone through his breakdown and God was restoring him and God's speaking to him out of a still small voice, uh, God gave him an instruction to do three things. Anoint Elisha as a prophet in your place, anoint Jehu and Hazael. And in, in Elijah's life, he anointed Elisha, but he never anointed those two kings. And, and, I, and I was in prayer, you know, one of those prayer conversation moments with God. And I was in prayer and I was like, ah, he failed. Because he, he did anoint Elisha, but he never anointed those two kings. And I felt the Holy Spirit say he did, he did anoint those two kings. And I was like, no, not sure you've read your own word. But I was reading it and he didn't. And God's like, yeah, he did. I don't know if you know, I am the word. And then it, then it hit me. Uh, Elijah anointed the king through Elisha. The word stays alive. What he wants him to do, didn't do it in his generation, but the, the word stayed alive. So Moses' generation got to the edge. They didn't go in. The word stays alive. In essence, Moses' generation enters in through Joshua's moving. That, that's how prophecy works. And when it becomes fulfilled, it's a kairos moment. That's how, that's how God works. The, the eternal word meets our chronos, our our living time frame word and becomes a chronos moment or a seasonal moment. They say there are three types of people in the world. Those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, and those that sit back and go, uh, what's happening? They, they, they just wonder what's happened. I, 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 I believe that God wants to, us to be people that make things happen that there is purpose, there is, there is destiny, there is God. We want you to use us. So let's have that make things happen through me mentality. And I want to share with you some on-ramps for engaging your purpose. Some of the things that you can do, you can think about to how do you engage your purpose. Now, like I said before, I've made all my points start with R. So if you're taking notes, it's easy. It'll help you to try to memorize it a little bit. And, and it's pretty clever. I've got to be honest with you. It's pretty clever. I know there are people online right now watching and thinking, he is a very arrogant man. We do not like him at all. But it is a, it's a communication technique, and it's, and it's reasonably clever. And for most people, it's going to pass. He's going to write it down, not think about it. But it's so clever, it at least deserves a, oh. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the first statement. It's going to start with R, and I would appreciate just a, oh. Can we, can we do that? Can we practice? One, two, three. <laughs> that was like more like, oh. When's lunch? Here's the first R. Read the moment. <laughs> what season are you in right now? 
That, that, that reading the moment is incredibly important. Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. To walk in purpose, you need to identify the season. Are you in the same season or is God doing something brand new? Is this a new season for you? Yes, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, the, the Moses season is over. You were, you were serving under Moses. You were working for Moses. You were helping Moses fulfill the vision that I gave him. But now there's a transfer. The season of following is over and a season of leading is on you. Joshua, you have to identify the season. Moses, my servant, is dead. The lessons of yesterday should create a foundation of faith and a platform of believing God for great things today. One season is over, but it means that there's a brand new season ahead. It doesn't mean that the promises of that season are over. If they've never been fulfilled, it means that those promises can be fulfilled in this season. When Pastor Cova built this building, he, he, he led the building of the whole, but this auditorium, a 2,300-seat auditorium. When he built this auditorium, I promise you, I've never met him. I've never had a conversation with him. He went to heaven before he ever got to meet. But I promise you, no man of God and faith like that builds a building this big to believe that it's going to be filled up once on a Sunday. He was believing that it would be filled multiple times on a Sunday, not once, not twice, maybe three or four times. So he's believing of thousands of people to get saved. That's why you build something like this. That dream has never been realized, but the dream is still there. There's a prophetic nature on the building that God wants to fill it, not once, not twice, but multiple times a Sunday. And who knows, you and I may be called into the kingdom of God for such a time as this. This may be our season. This may be our time. This may be our moment. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And it says there's a time to plant, there's a time to reap, there's a time to, uh, to, to kill, there's a time to bring life, there's a time of peace. Everything has a season. Our ability to discern what season we're in helps us respond accordingly. You know how to respond. Champion got up here and preaching his false doctrine of fall, like fall is a good season. I hate fall. If you've ever fallen, you've never fallen off something and got up and thought, that was nice, you break your face when you fall. That's what this season is, like a face-breaking season. I don't like fall because I know what it's telling me. I know it says winter is coming and I do not like the cold. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she loves the cold. Like, our house is consistently on 62. I can have an ice cream, go into bed at night, leave it on the bed, still frozen in the morning. That's how cold our room is. We're in Chicago, where it's brutally cold. She had it on 62, but it wasn't cold enough, so she opened the window to let the cold air in the room. Polar bears were leaving the polar caps to come to our room because it was colder than where they were. So cold. 
Chicago's cold, cold, horrible. There were, there were, we had, it was so cold in Chicago, one, it was minus 50. Minus 50. I think once you get to zero, stop counting. Minus, you know how cold minus 50 is? They said if you go out, I think it was like two or three minutes, into the, just into the, in, in your yard, you're in danger of hypothermia, frostbite, or death. Death by weather. Could you imagine? I'm not sure if there's a more embarrassing way to die than that. Like you, you, you go outside, <coughs> dead, wake up, pearly gates, you're walking through heaven and you just start seeing some random people. And you're like, hey man, how did you get here? And the first guy's like, well, I was in World War I and some of my, my fellow soldiers were captured. So I went in behind enemy lines and I secured their freedom. But as we were running, I got shot in the back of the head and then I ended up here. And you're like, you talk to a, 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 another guy, like, how did you get here? He says, well, I was on a cruise going down to the Bahamas. Little four-year-old girl is just wandering on the, the balcony of the cruise ship. She tripped and she fell into the water. Immediately, I could see the shark starting to circle. And so without even thinking about it, I just dived into the water. I grabbed her by a foot. I threw her back up onto the, to the boat to her parents and her dad catched her in his hands. He caught her perfectly but I'm in the water now. A shark comes up, swims, bites my head right off. Just eats my head. And I end up here. And you're like, whoa. Like, how did you die? Well, I was in Chicago. And I opened the door and I walked outside. They're like, what happened? Did you get shot? No, I got hit by wind. Um, death by air. So I don't like the cold, but it's coming. And so you anticipate, you anticipate the seasons ahead. You, you get proactive preparing with your clothing and all those sort of horrible other things that you've got to do. And that's like life. You have to anticipate the seasons that are ahead and prepare for what is coming. You've got to get ready for what is, what is coming. You've got to discern the seasons and remember that it's always only a season. The season starts, the season ends. Maybe you're in a horrible season right now. Get to the other side, but don't quit in the middle of a bad season. It may be winter. You, you may not be able to go outside because of frostbite, hypothermia, or death, but just hold on long enough because spring's coming and so is summer and Jesus is about to visit us again because he loves summer. We all have a season. Moses, my servant, is dead. It eventually would say Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died at the age of 110 years of age. Moses had his season. Joshua had his season. And whatever was coming next was the next season. Here's the second R. Are you ready for it? Brace, because it could be awesome. Learn how to respond to the challenge. Some of you still sound hungry. Verse 2 says, now, therefore, arise. Therefore, if, if you're going to live in your purpose, then you need to live in, in purpose-driven action. Purpose is not passive. 
The eye of purpose is dreams. The breath to dreams is vision. The heartbeat of vision is strategy. And then the legs of strategy is action. Now, therefore, arise. I'm promising this to you. I'm gifting this to you. But I need you to put your faith into action. There needs to be a response from you. You need to engage in the promise. What are you doing today that is moving you towards your promise? How are you moving your purpose forward? How are you praying? Uh, what are you absorbing into your world? In other words, what are you listening to on the radio? What are you watching on TV? What are you watching online? How much time are you spending on social media versus getting other better input into your life? What, what, how much time are you spending with positive friends uh, rather than negative friends? What you read, what you listen to, how you learn, all has an impact on preparing you for the next season. Choosing your friends is important. But equally important is how's your soul? How, how are you internally? Because the thing that's going to rob you from embracing your purpose is the condition of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So what's the condition of your mind? What's the condition of your emotions? What's the condition of your will? If they're messed up, get help. Get counseling. Talk to somebody. Get prayer. Renew your mind in the Word of God. You've got you to prepare yourself on the inside so you can respond adequately to what God's got for you. If you want to live in God's purpose, he, He's not doing things He's already done. He's going to do a brand new thing. Forget the old things, the former things. They were really good, but they're all in the past. God says, I want you to embrace everything right now that's in the future. What has God got for your future? Get yourself ready and get yourself positioned for God. what, what God wants to do. That's where our church is at right now. I, I believe that we're on the threshold of God doing something unbelievably significant. And we need everyone on board. We need you. You're not a number. You're not just an attender. You're a part of God's strategy for reaching the city, for reaching this uh, state, for reaching this nation, for reaching the world. God wants to use you. And you're in the kingdom for such a time as this. Let me give you the next one. And this is a little bit better than the last and probably needs a slightly better response. And, and at home, uh, if, if, if you're watching this and you're driving, you probably shouldn't um, be watching this driving. It's really dangerous. So maybe just pull off to the side of the road right now because you, you may fall out in your seat. Um, you know somebody's watching this thinking, he is the most arrogant person I've ever met. His points aren't that good at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, reach towards the future. I knew that response was coming somewhere. How'd you even stay in your seat? Thanks, Cole. Thanks, Cole. You're, you're, did you feel him going when I... Yeah, I, I'm only going to mention it once because I don't, I don't want, yeah. Reach towards the future. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. So the promise is still out there. Moses didn't, but, but God says to, to Joshua, step, move forward. 
Uh, what are you doing today that's stretching your faith for tomorrow? Don't settle where you're at. Stir yourself up. Stir up the gifts that are within you. Stir up the prophecies that are within you. Start to make just one step at a time. You know, if Israel had just taken steps, they would have made it into their promised land. It may have taken them a little longer, but the journey wasn't so long that if they just one step after the other, they could have walked into the promise that God has given them. We need to be people that are taking steps of faith. Don't be comfortable. Get yourself motivated. Get focused on what God wants you to do and God wants to, how God wants you. Every season is different. But just identify the season that you're in and move in the season. I'm in, Anna and I are in the grandparent season. I'm granddad, she's nan. I love being a grand, I don't like the name granddad, but I, or the age that's associated with the name. We were just in uh, Kamasi and uh, Dr. Esther Rivers and her uh, sister and brother-in-law, I think it is, have this school in Kamasi. And the, the, the brother-in-law was taking us around, showing us the classrooms. And so he, every classroom they did this. He would walk into the classroom and all the little children would stand up to their feet and they'd say, good morning, grandpa. He'd say, good morning, children, how are you? And they would say something I forgot. They're like, we are strong in the Lord Jesus and in his word. He's like, and then they go, how are you? He's like, very well, thank you. And then they would sit down. He'd go to the next, next classroom and the kids would, no, no matter what age, the K through eight, good morning, Grandpa. And I, I said to, to John Riverson uh, Jr., I said, I think I want them to do that. I'm the chancellor of the school. I think I want to walk into the room, but I don't like the Grandpa bit. I would, I, I'm not going to walk, hey, good day, Granddad. Huh? What are you saying? I don't know. I, I want to walk into the room and they go, Good morning, incredibly young-looking and very cool, Pastor John. Good morning, children. How are you? We are stronger. <laughs> but it's a good season. It's a great season, and you've just got to embrace your season. Maybe it's time for you to have conversations to get some mouth-to-mouth -mouth, uh, resuscitation to your dream. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, In their hearts... Humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Jeremiah uh, 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know, everyone say, we know. And we know that in all things work together for good to those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God is working things in our favor. You just got to keep moving forward and embracing the things that God has for you. Bible says in Ephesians that we are God's handiwork, that God created you. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in us. God has already prepared in us beforehand, in advance of time. So God has not just called you, he's equipped you, he has purposed you to do great things for him. You just got to keep believing and moving forward in the things of God. How, how, how do I know that this is my, what I'm called to do? Well, one, one of the things that you can, and this is, I'm trying to warn you, Greg, this is 
this is, this is probably a little crazy. This is probably a little crazy. You, you may even get a little bit of old school Pentecostal hit you on this. I, I, I can see you almost doing a lap. That's how, how in fact, this, this probably point is so good. This whole section of young people are probably just going to follow you because you're such a leader, maybe even try to beat you when I drop this word, but I can see some Holy Ghost like lap, like woo, and lap happening. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, maybe some of you online would start running around your bathroom or something. But how do I know God's calling me? He, he, here's, here's it. It's the results. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, Greg, 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 stop. Sorry to drop that on you like that without warning. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll not leave you or forsake you. What is God saying? There's going to be results. How, how do I know what I'm being called to do? It's just what I, when, I, when, I, when I do it, I just, I just do it well. You know, what, what, what do you do really, really well, often discovering your purpose is just tapping into what you do really well. The Bible says every tree is known by its fruit. There's a manifestation about who you are that shows up in what you do. I would, I would, I would have become a world-famous rock star. That's what I was destined to do in my own head. But the only thing that stopped me from doing that was I can't sing. And if anything, American Idol and the voices taught us over the years, there's a whole heap of people like me who think they can sing and they are terrible. So I'm not gifted that way. I, I, that, that's not a good result for me. I just don't do that, that, that well. But I've always been able to communicate. I've always been able to get up in front of a crowd and speak. That's not everyone's deal. But they, they say that fear of public speaking is the number one fear. The fear of public speaking is a greater fear than dying, which means that you would rather be dead in the funeral than to speak at the funeral. But that's never been an issue. My, my mum and dad used to say I had the gift to be able to still talk under wet concrete. That's how the gift of the gab. It's never been an issue for me. And, and so that's results. What is that? That's a part of God's call. 
What do you do that you do when you do it? You do it really well. Identify the seasons. Those seasons change, but the gifting stays in there. So for many years, we were doing youth ministry. I loved it. Uh, I, I love young people. That was a blessing. But then that season ended and moved on. But the things that made it strong in there are still working today. So what do you do that when you do it, you do it really well? Um, can you, one of you guys just hold him down because this is, this, is, this is a big one. Uh, just give a, just, don't, you don't need to run, but, but try to stay on the seat. Uh, so, so results and then reward. We got some pirates out there. Arr, arr. What, what do you do that when you, when, when, when you do it, you just love doing it? Be strong, courageous, for you shall cause his people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. What do, you, what do you do that when you do results that you do really well? And what do you do that when you do it, you just feel rewarded? I, I, I love doing that. Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart. The will of God in Romans 12 is good, it's pleasing, and it's acceptable. In other words, God's will is a perfect fit for you. So when you're doing it, you're like, I really just... This is awesome. How, how do you line up your purpose? What are you good at and what do you love doing? That's a part of lining up your purpose, tapping into what are you good at? Maybe you're good at listening. Maybe you're good at focusing. I'm not good at either of those. Uh, my, my wife, on the other hand, she's a genius. She, she loves studying and loves reading. And up until the time I got saved, I don't think I'd ever read a book from cover to cover. You say, well, how did you do the book report when you were at school? Students don't listen to this. But what I would do would be, I, I would read the back and I'd flick through some of the pages, get an idea, and then I'd walk up to the brainiest kid in the class. He usually was doing a Sudoku puzzle or something. And I'd say, hey, how about that book that we're doing for the book? What, what, what part do you like the most? And brainy people just want to download their braininess. So they would, blah, 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 and I'm like, eh. <laughs> I got a book report. But, but Anna's smart. She's an adjunct faculty at Fuller Theological Seminary. She's the vice president uh, for Ascent Bible College, got a doctorate in missiology, her master's in global leadership, doing a master's in theology right Right, right now, I've, I've, got a, I've got a master's in food. I like master's food. It's like, it's like, you've got to find your fit. What do you, what do you, what do you love doing? What are, you, what are you good at and what do you love doing? And then if you, can, if you can make that the last hour is being required, what are you being required to do? What are they paying you to do? What are they asking you to do? If you can make what you love doing and what you do really well be the thing that you get to do, that's the sweet spot of purpose. It's a sweet spot of, of destiny. Only be strong and very courageous. What are you being asked to do? You need to, you need to walk out a lifestyle centered in the call of God. Be strong and courageous. If God is going to be for you, then who can be against you? You need to walk out a lifestyle centered in His Word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it both day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all. Everyone say to all that is written in it. Uh, walk out a lifestyle centered in faith. 
We're children of faith. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. It's time to lift our expectation. It's time to stop listening to people that tell you that somehow daring to dream to be successful and daring to dream to be prosperous and daring to dream to do well and that somehow excellence is not a character or nature of God. Stop listening to those people because they're getting you to live way below your God potential. God uses words like prosperity. God uses words like success. God uses words like abundance. It's in the language of God. It's in the language of God. And it's never supposed to be consumed on us. It's always about changing the world around us. God doesn't want you successful, prosperous, blessed, just so you can enjoy it all on yourself and spend it. No, that's not the plan of God, but he wants you to be successful. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be blessed so you can have an impact on the world around you. If you're a teenager here today and no one has graduated college in your family, in the history of your family, no one has graduated college, be the first one in your family to graduate college. If no one's got a doctorate, get a doctorate, get a master's, get a bachelor's. Find out what curses can you break in your family because you're going to be the first one to be prosperous in that area. You're going to be the first one to be abundant in that area. You're the first one to have breakthrough in that area. It's time to get the dream of what God has given you alive again. And it's not age-related. It may be a different season. You may have to do it differently. You may have to do it through the life of somebody else. But get the dream alive and be the man and be the woman that God has called you to be. This is your season. This is your season. There are two great days in your life. The day that you're born... And that is the day that you discover a why. That, that you are not just born, but there's purpose for you being here. Russell, you can come. You are, you are not a, an accident of the cosmos. You're not just an accumulation of cells just happening. There's purpose in you. Your purpose is different than mine. Your wiring is different than mine. Even your history Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of our testimony. Even your story has power. Anna's first husband, Rich, phenomenal young man, was killed in a car accident. That's horrible. But it's a part of her story. No one wants that to happen to anybody. But it happened. And it's a part of her story. So how do you redeem that? There's been many people who've lost loved ones. She's preached in women's events where she's got to sell that story and people have come up in tears. We drove back together uh, from uh, Palm Desert once to California, took this young lady from the conference back to LA and, and this young woman was just crying about how much her story ministered to her. Well, we don't want that to be the story, but it is. So you overcome by the blood of the lamb and by turning the testimony into a faith story. You can help people that are hurting in the same area. So maybe you're hurting in an area right now or you've come through horrible situations or some of you just getting to America is a story. And you can help people in their journey. We're, we're the church. 
it's never should be just about me, my, my thing, I, what I get, what I want, what I want to do, me prospering, me blessed, my. No, it's about us. Real purpose happens when you live your life out to help somebody else. Real purpose happens when you get out of your own boundaries and you make a difference in the world around you. That's real purpose. And if God blesses you and God prospers you and you become successful and you become good, it's never designed to fill you up with pride. It never happens to fill you up with arrogance. We just spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and then that gives him the platform to lift you up. But when you get lifted up, don't get filled with arrogance. Don't get filled with pride. Don't think it's all about you. Your destiny is connected. Your purpose is connected to helping somebody else. And that's what I love about the church. I love about the church. You can't do on your own what you can do in the kingdom of God with other people. You just can't do it. We, we get to do this together. Thank you for being here. Thank you being, for being a part of, of, of Word of Life Church. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group. We need more of you to run life groups. Why? Because it's the pastoral arm of our church. It's not just giving you an opportunity to teach a subject. That's one thing, but that's not important to me. You having a platform to tell somebody something that you know, that's, that's not important. For me, even me preaching on Sunday, even though it's important, it's not important to me as much as it is to helping people through the week. So we have a life group network so we can raise up leaders to pastorally care for people that if you have a crisis in your life, the first responders should be your life group leaders. The second responders should be the pastoral care team of our church. But we want our, we want our life, that, that's living out purpose, that's living out destiny. And, and you can do that. You may, you may be the world's greatest pickleball player. They go, how, how can I use that? To be, do what champ, run a pickleball group, attract some people around you, call them, love on them, pray for them, and crush their soul in pickleball. Maybe it's sewing. Maybe it's cooking. Napo's doing a cooking class. He's invited me to come along and do one cooking lesson. That was my trade before I was in ministry. So you can take a skill and you can use it to that, 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 that's the kingdom. And so you have purpose. But your purpose is connected to helping somebody else. It's never just about you. Holy Spirit, overshadow us, we pray. Come into this room in a powerful way. Lord, I pray for people that have been beaten up in life and they've lost their purpose. I pray for people that are watching online and they've given up on their destiny. Lord God, I pray that you would overshadow every one of us and bring healing into our soul. Lord God, that we could prove what is that good and that perfect and that acceptable will of God? So overshadow us in this moment, we pray.